Welcome to the Real Truth Matters podcast. I'm Dan Harder, your host. The RTM podcast is all about showing you how to live in biblical spirituality, demonstrating where the Bible and real life intersect. And now, here's Real Truth Matters founder and director, Michael Durham. Thanks, Dan, and welcome to today's broadcast. We continue to examine how to maintain fellowship with God. In our previous podcast, we've learned that to maintain fellowship, we need, through faith, to obey the light. As the Apostle John says, walk in the light as he, God, is in the light. Second, we've learned that we must confess our sins, meaning to some degree, think and feel as God does about our sins. Confession of sin is not just about saying to the Lord that you're sorry. And thirdly, keep your confession of sin up to date. That means don't wait long to confess your sin and repent. The longer you procrastinate, the more difficult fellowship with God is to maintain. Keep short accounts with sin, and if you do, you demonstrate that you, too, just like God, hate sin and cannot abide by even your own sins. This is the essence of humility and spiritual poverty. And then fourthly, we've learned, keep your obedience up to date. Fellowship with God is not just about dealing with your sin, it's also about not sinning in the first place. To walk with God in devoted obedience. Therefore, John says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, And hereby we do know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. Today I want to introduce a fifth principle that the Apostle John states in his first epistle. That principle is to keep brotherly love up to date. John writes in 1 John chapter 2, verses 7, all the way through verse 11, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. He who says he's in the light and hates his own brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Interestingly, John continues his light and darkness motif from chapter 1. If you're going to join the Lord God in his walk in the light, you have to be in the light as well. So, let's play out this theme of light and darkness. First, John says that love is the consequence of walking in the light. First John chapter 2 Starting with verse 9, he who says he's in the light and hates his own brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. The test of walking in the light 
is our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. The apostle emphatically states that if you walk with God in the light, then you will love your fellow Christian. It's automatic. It's standard equipment and not optional. Now, that doesn't mean it's always easy to love certain believers, nor that it's never difficult to do so. It means it's the disposition of the Christian's heart to love other Christians. It happens with greater intensity as we draw nearer to God in communion and conformity to the Son. Now, why is that? Well, because the more we walk nearer to God, the more we become like God. And God is love, and it's His nature to love. But He has a special kind of love for His children. And this is John's main argument. How do you know you are a Christian? You can know you are because you have an important trait of your Heavenly Father. You love and you especially love His children, your brothers and sisters in the faith. A new birth, a birth by the Holy Spirit, is supernatural and therefore characteristics of God are implanted in us who are born again. The main character trait is love. So, God's love impacts and influences our love for others. However, if we stopped at this point, we'd be pulling up short of the goal line. Loving the brethren helps us to walk in the light. Loving your brothers and sisters assists you also to love God more. Because you experience fellowship with God, you love the brethren. But because you love them, you experience more fellowship with God. It becomes a full circle. Now, this is most important. Please listen. We need to explore this just a little bit more. When you experience genuine biblical fellowship with God's people, your fellowship with God occurs simultaneously. To fellowship with other believers, is to fellowship with God. This is because God is in the midst of the companionship of the saints. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20. Something can be said of Christian fellowship that it's more than an earthly exercise, something of heaven sanitizes and perfumes it. It takes on a dimension that we cannot perceive or discern with our physical senses. A latent but not dormant power is present to energize and feel the camaraderie of the saints. God draws near, even if only two saints gather in His name. Their coming together issues a holy invitation to deity. It invokes the Most High to come and abide with the lowly and poor in spirit. And come He does, and participates in the exchange of one child of God with another. Through their dialogue, through their mutual love for each other, and through the cultivation of their personalities, God reveals Himself. Biblical Christian fellowship is nothing short of divine and a means to commune with the divine. If you want your fellowship with God to increase, then increase your fellowship with saints. 
Now you may be objecting, saying that my words may sound pretty, if not lofty, but how dare I elevate our common and base conversations with other Christians to such holy heights, or worse, dare to bring God down and have him desecrated with frivolous banter. Oh, my dear friend, when two Christians come together and truly pour their hearts out to each other, confess their fears and flaws, or simply linger in each other's presence even without a word, God sanctifies it with his presence and makes himself known to the spiritual eye waiting to see him. If you only knew what the potential of fellowship with believers offers, you would enter into that holy conclave, and with the ears of faith, you would hear your Lord's voice. God makes himself known in the presence of and through other believers. Christ Jesus can be seen and heard in the conversation of saints. Let me give you a real-life example. Many of you have heard of the famous Inklings. The Inklings were not some obscure rock and roll band of the 60s. No, they were a close-knit group of authors who gathered weekly to read their unpublished compositions during the 1930s and 40s. The founding fathers of the group were the most famous of the group. They were J.R.R. Tolkien of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, C.S. Lewis, author of the Chronicles of Narnia, and Charles Williams, who authored the supernatural thriller All Hallows' Eve. These three were the inner circle until Charles Williams died unexpectedly in 1945 at the age of 58. The Inklings shared the pain of Williams' death, but Lewis perhaps experienced it most keenly when he wrote, In each of my friends there's something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I'm not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all his facets. Now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald Token's reaction to a specifically Charles joke. Far from having more of Ronald, having him to myself now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald. In this, friendship exhibits a glorious nearness by resemblance to heaven itself, where the very multitude of the blessed, which no man can number, increases the fruition which each of us has of God. For every soul seeing him in her own way doubtless communicates that unique vision to all the rest. That, says an old author, is why the seraphim in Isaiah's vision are crying, Holy, 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 to one another. The more we thus share the heavenly bread between us, the more we shall have. Lewis says, it takes a fellowship of several persons to know one person. If that is true for a finite being, how much more is this true of Jesus Christ? How often do you say you want a deeper relationship with Jesus, that you want to get to know Jesus better? Well, my friend, you'll never be able to do that by yourself. It takes the brotherhood of the saints. The Lord of the church has so designed the church to be 
a material representation of himself in this present world. He is the head, and we are his body. Each one of us plays a part as a member of the body of Christ, and according to the Bible, we do not all play the same part. But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, but yet one body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 18 through 20. But even more plain is Romans 12, verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. We all have a different purpose in the body, and even though the hand has more than one finger, none of the other four digits function the same way. Each has its role and purpose in the work of the hand. And so it is in the body of Christ. We may have similar gifts, but we exercise them differently. But not only do we not have the same role, but we are all very different from one another. No two human beings are identically the same. Each of us share different personalities, contexts, preferences. Just like there are no two identical snowflakes, there is no other you. There may be someone who looks like you, but in the end, they're different in temperament and personhood. So what's the point? Well, here it is. No one relates to Christ Jesus exactly the same way you do. You, being a unique human being, relate to the Lord in your own individual way. And most importantly, the Lord Jesus relates to you in a way that you can appreciate and apprehend. And since you're not like anyone else, your relationship with Christ is also very unique. It's not unique that you do not share common characteristics of a relationship with Christ with the rest of the body of Christ. But, like every good marriage has similar positive principles working, each marriage is a different blend of two personalities unlike any other. So consequently, you reflect to others aspects of your relationship with Christ that are particular to you. This allows fellow believers to see different aspects of the Lord's personality that they would never see because of their distinctive personality. This is the point C.S. Lewis was making. Charles Williams brought out things about their mutual friend Token that Lewis did not bring out. Therefore, instead of having more of Token to himself, he would have less with the passing of Williams. The more we are with other believers, and as we go deeper with them, we'll see more of our Lord in them, and thus we will have more of Christ than less. But the opposite is also true. The less you interact and have meaningful relationship with other Christians, the less of Jesus you will enjoy. And if I'm right, that the letter of 1 John is not only about helping Christians have assurance of their relationship with Christ, but it's also to increase fellowship with Christ. Then loving other saints in meaningful relationships aids the Christian in their joy in God. Therefore, if you're going to maintain fellowship with the living God, 
you need to keep your brotherly love up to date. If there's one saint you have a conflict with, then there's also a disturbance in your fellowship with God. If that's not true, then why does the Apostle John ask, He who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? The two are inextricably linked. Our relationship with Christ is not so personal. It's larger than you, and it encompasses more than just you. The bride of Christ is a collective whole, the totality of the individual members. Your lack of love toward another in the body is equivalent to a lack of love for the head. We are all intrinsically, organically linked by Him and to Him, our Savior. Therefore, we're connected to each other. As we end this podcast today, loving our fellow Christian is loving God, and to love God is to love our brothers and sisters. Knowing God involves knowing His people. In this, we confess the communal nature of not just Christianity, but personal relationship with Christ. As the Apostle Paul said, for none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. We are not isolated, and anyone who isolates himself is out of fellowship with God. Keep your walk with God by keeping in biblical step with your brethren. A misstep there will cause a stumble in intimacy with God. Enjoy deep and rich fellowship with your brother or sister, and you'll enjoy the same with the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be walking in the light as he's in the light. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. Please check out our website, realtruthmatters.com, for all our resources, and if you'd like to receive our monthly newsletter that comes by email, then please go to the website and sign up or send us an email with your email address to web at realtruthmatters.com. That's web at realtruthmatters.com. We do not have a budget for advertising, so we leave it to our listeners to advertise for us. If you could give us a rating on the podcast platform you enjoy listening to the Real Truth Matters podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. Like us, share this podcast with others. We are all about biblical spirituality, helping you to see how truth intersects with life and is the basis of experiencing fellowship with God. So on behalf of all of us here at Real Truth Matters, thank you for listening today. And may the Lord bless you with His love in a real and tangible way. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Truth Matters podcast. I hope you can see that Christianity is profoundly experiential, but always based on the objective truth of Scripture. If you have questions or comments, please send them to our email address, web at realtruthmatters.com. That's web at realtruthmatters.com. Real Truth Matters podcast, dedicated to biblical spirituality, demonstrating where the Bible and real life intersect.